and thank you for listening to Roots and Wings, a podcast produced by the Tennessee Commission on Children and Youth. I'm Jonquil Newland. Families, parents, and caregivers who have one or more children on the spectrum can attest to many of the challenges they face while raising a child with autism spectrum disorder, or ASD. On the top of that list of challenges may be the ability to communicate, which can impact how children with ASD interact with their caregivers and even their peers. Conversations around ASD are happening more often, which is a wonderful thing seeing that there are a growing number of resources available for impacted families. Here in Tennessee, Ascend Autism is a wonderful resource for families and caregivers. I'm joined by Nathan Kronfurst and Sharon Dudnatz-Groski, who serve as the co-founders of Ascend Autism. And Sharon, you actually serve as the clinical director as well. They both join me as guests on Roots and Wings. You guys, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Thank you. And I love having two people on on this episode as well. It's fun having you guys both here in, in person. I we Let's go ahead and just dive into this. I know uh, we obviously were talking about autism and ASD, but a lot of more people are talking about it a lot more, specifically because there are a lot more people being diagnosed. In fact, ASD has grown by more than 300% since 2000, from 1 in 150 to 1 in 36 in 2020. Now, what is the cause of such a rapid increase? Yeah, honestly, uh, there are a lot of very smart people who are working on the cause of autism. Um but even to this day, the exact answer is still unknown. Uh, there are belief, you know, there are certainly genetic components to it, but there's also potentially environmental uh, components. Um, but one of the biggest contributing factors to perhaps the very recent rapid growth has been a much greater focus on diagnosis, <clears throat> and particularly early age diagnosis. There's a lot of programs out there, especially like Autism Speaks runs ad campaigns to urge families to have their children screened if there's concern for that. Um, and, and the good news is that's led to a significantly more greater focus on early diagnosis. Yeah, absolutely. Sharon, is there anything you wanted to add to that? No. Okay. <laughs> you got it all great. Now, speaking of early diagnosis, now how early is too early or can any child zero to three be diagnosed? So there is greater and greater methods for diagnosing at earlier ages, but I'd say at this stage, the most common age for diagnosis is anywhere between 18 months, uh, perhaps a little bit before that, but really 18 months to three years old. There's certainly still cases, and we get calls from folks who are even adults looking for referrals to providers who can provide a diagnosis. Um, but the, the, the sweet spot, the, really the focus in the medical community today is targeting children between 18 months and three years for diagnosis. And, and why is that so important to, to make sure that it's within that time frame? So I can answer that. Okay. Um, a child's development, you know, it's the greatest in the toddler years. Mm -hmm. So having that diagnosis at that age can lead to better outcomes. You know, there are different forms of therapy that are out there and getting the services started during that age range can have a great impact. Um, that's not to say that, you know, there's families that, you know, they're having kids diagnosed at later ages that it's still impactful, but the greatest impact for the services is when they're at that two to five year age range. 
Yeah, absolutely. It is if a family suspects, and and I would, I'm around families a lot, or I've talked with a lot of families who have children uh, who maybe need certain resources for behavioral health, and that that can be trying, right, to understand if it's a behavioral thing or if it's actually a diagnosis that's needed. Um, if families do suspect their child may be on the spectrum, what is the first thing they need to do? Yeah, really, I mean, the, the first thing everyone should do if they have a concern is speak to their pediatrician, right? There are those standard check-in appointments that you have at different stages of de- development with your kiddos, with your pediatrician. Bring it to their attention. Tell them that, you know, the signs that you've seen that give you concern. And most pediatricians uh, these days are able to do a, a, a basic screening. It's basically a checklist. Uh, the most common one is called an MCHAT. And through that checklist process, they can identify a very specific signs that are typically uh, coincide with the diagnosis of autism. They themselves <clears throat> will not do a complete evaluation, mm-hmm. but by having them identify a greater chance that your child is diagnosed or has an autism diagnosis, they can refer you to a specialist who would do the full diagnostic evaluation. Gotcha. Um, Well said. And thank you for that information, Nathan. Um, If a child does receive an autism diagnosis, what's next? And you mentioned, obviously, therapy and catching it extremely early. Uh, Sharon, as you mentioned, what is that therapy like and when is it appropriate for kids what is appropriate for kids on that spectrum? Yeah, well, you you pointed out uh, that term on the spectrum. So the important thing to note is a child who's diagnosed with autism could fall in a wide range area of having that diagnosis, severely impacted or very minorly impacted. So really in that process of getting an evaluation, the person who does that will typically kind of recommend types of therapy. Mm-hmm. It could be something as severe as a nonverbal individual who hasn't developed communication or language skills, or it could be someone who just has impacts to social skills. Um, So ultimately, what therapy is appropriate to the child is really specific to that individual child. The most common forms of therapy that children diagnosed with autism typically receive fall into a few different uh, ones. So... The most common behavior therapy is ABA or applied behavior analysis, and we'll talk a little bit more about that. And they also typically receive speech therapy, occupational therapy, or physical therapy. Gotcha. And you did mention ABA, and I know there's probably a number of acronyms working in state government. I'm very familiar with (laughs) state government acronyms. Um, And some people listening may have heard of ST or OT and PT. These are all acronyms that we're extremely aware of. But a lot of people are not as familiar with ABA. So can you talk a little bit more about what that is? Absolutely. And that is a great question, and that is why we are here today. (laughs) Um, So... For EDAs and autism, that's what we specialize is specialize in ABA. Um, ABA stands for Applied Behavior Analysis. Uh, I feel a lot of people know about it, but that's because it is my field. And but you know, it's been around since the '60s. It, it is the medically accepted behavior therapy for kids diagnosed with autism. Right? Again, for it being around since the '60s, it is endorsed by the American Medical Association, American Academy of Pediatrics, and the American Psychological Association. Why is it so highly endorsed for kids with autism then? 
of course. Um, I know you, you mentioned obviously Sharon has been around since the sixties, and yes. I mean that that means it's got some history. It and absolutely yeah. has some history. So you know it's it's important for a bunch of reasons, right? And the most important is that it is heavily researched and uses data um, to measure progress and ultimately the outcomes. Um, that we can offer for the kids. So it isn't subjective. So sometimes you see people, you know, will write in, uh, in a report for a kid that they're doing great. What does that mean? So it's objective in the sense that every target goal that we work on, it breaks it down for a child that has a hard time with listening to instructions. There's steps to that. There's a one step, like come here. There's two steps, um, pick that up, put it on the table. We really break down, instead of just saying a kid is doing a great job, we can say that he's following one step instructions and he's making progress. He has 10 goals that he's mastered within the last month. And second, that goes into, again, with the fact that it's been around since the 60s, um, it can get a bad rep for it being around for that long. Mm. But many ABA providers, including us, we have more of a naturalistic play-based approach to it. Yeah, just to add on to that, the... The science component of ABA tends to get a lot of attention because there is so much structure applied to it. So really the development of ABA over the last two decades has been focused on making the science less in your face and making it a much more play-based approach. When we're talking about working with toddlers and young children, we want it to be naturalistic and engaging with the child, you know, and meet them at their place. So as Sharon was saying, that is probably one of the greatest developments in the field in recent history is making it less feeling like science and more feeling like play. Yeah. And and I've been in the field for 20 years. So Uh I've seen that change myself where, you know, we still have the structure, but the kids feel like they're playing. And while we're playing, we're incorporating those goals. So if a kid is playing with a dollhouse, there's so many things we can, you know, prepositions, let's put her on the bed, you know, things Mm -hmm. like that. So with all that, we're still playing, we're having fun, but we're also taking data on these goals for the kids. And another, another part of making it engaging is using positive reinforcement. Mm -hmm. ABA is very, very focused on reinforcement, but it being positive reinforcement and that consistency, which is ultimately what supports very positive outcomes. And the last thing that I I touch on is, while speech therapy is fantastic Mm -hmm. and very focused on speech and communication, OTs obviously more focused on motor function skills. ABA is very broad and very comprehensive. So while many kids will receive multiple forms of therapy, the fundamental core to what a child receives when they're receiving therapy, if they're diagnosed with autism, is ABA because it touches so many areas. Mm -hmm. We're dealing with communication, pre-language communication, right? The things not about your ability to say mommy, but your ability to 
interact with an individual, communicate your needs even before a language exists. Uh, I think that's like the biggest thing. We have we have families that come in and it's what do you want out of the service? And it's I want my child to talk. Yeah. And there's those steps that we have to get there. Like if you're pointing, the child's not paying attention, you know, and those are all the things. And communication isn't just expressive, it's receptive. So listening to someone and following those instructions. So we are taking all those things in and not just with the communication, it's improving their attention, developing their social skills, uh, decreasing challenging behaviors, and then like target even even the basic daily, daily living skills. So they're at our early childhood center for the day. There's snacks, there's, you know, toileting. These are all things that people don't realize that we can incorporate into ABA and we can break them down to the like simplest things. You know, a kid can get stuck on just not knowing how to open a faucet and then the parents are saying he can't wash his hands. So it's breaking down the steps and putting a plan in to help him, to teach him, you know? So we teach him how to turn that faucet on and now he can do all the other steps by himself. Um, So that's the importance of ABA. And I feel like sometimes people don't realize these are just like Nate said, it's speech is specialized, OT is specialized and people like, "Eh, I don't know what ABA is going to do for my child. And, you know, these were just some examples. Yeah, absolutely. And it seems so intricate. Uh, and, And Nathan, you said the word broad spectrum more than once. And uh, I think it's hard for a lot of people who don't work with or have children who are on the spectrum or have ASD to really kind of understand, even sharing what you were talking about, the frustration they can have over one minute thing that ripple effects into a lot of other things that we take for granted, those of us who are not on the spectrum or or work with children who are. So um, I think a lot of parents who are listening to you in um, either are thinking they have a child who might be mm-hmm. on the spectrum and need a little bit more help are going to be extremely interested in ABA. So, um, yes, my next question is, how can parents get access to ABA therapy? Yeah, well, there's good news, and unfortunately, there's probably a little bit, bit of bad news at the, at, the, at the end of this. So, the good news is, because ABA has been around and proven to be so successful, there has been a significant growth in providers across the country. So, it... It could be as simple as talking to, again, your pediatrician for a recommendation of someone maybe they've interacted with who's in the area or go to Google, you know, and search ABA providers in your area. And there's certainly many of them out there. Um, the service is can be provided in a lot of different places. So some providers will come and work with your child directly in your home, which can be a great place to receive the service. Uh, a lot of schools will use it, so they may have people on staff themselves who are uh, in the field and provide ABA. Um, or like us at Ascend Autism, we actually have an early childhood ABA therapy center here in Nashville um, where we, frankly, become the replacement for daycare or preschool. Because as Sharon was mentioning, we're working on so many skills that really becomes the investment of time uh, replacing a daycare and focusing on that skill set at that early childhood. Yeah. And what could should families really expect? Uh, you mentioned, obviously, the Early Childhood Center, and this is where you really kind of hone in with young children specifically. What can families expect from that service that they get there? 
of course. So first, ABA, as we've said before, is so comprehensive. It's a true commitment. Um, it's not a quick fix. Uh, so with younger children, uh, the services health can be anywhere from 30 to 40 hours per week for the most meaningful uh, outcomes. Uh, so you know, the, the families really rely on our center to, to help make progress with all of these things that we've discussed with the, the communication, the social skills, the daily living skills, like, again, which is a huge, huge part that I think people tend to forget about. Because when you are on the spectrum, learning to toilet train can be something very difficult um, to really understand because, again, a lot of these daily living skills have a social component. So it's bringing that in and breaking these skills down. So, um, you know, the ultimate goal is to prepare uh, our, our kids for kindergarten, elementary school and beyond. Yeah. And just to, to add on to that. So we obviously are focused on that early childhood category, mainly because that's where science has proven the greatest outcomes can get. Uh, begin to be implemented. Uh, but as Sharon said, it is a true time commitment, and that can sound overwhelming 30 to 40 hours a week, which is why we have a resource such as a center where you don't have to try to integrate that in your day-to-day life. However, there are kids who are diagnosed later in life. There are kids that continue that progress, right? Once they graduate from our program and maybe they go to school during the day, it still continues to be a time commitment to families. So even the older kids are receiving 10, 15, 20 hours of therapy a week, whether that's at school or that's at home or maybe an after after school program at a center like we offer. Um, the, the other thing that I would point out that is certainly very good news to families is there's been not only the development of this therapy over the last number of years, but really over the last just over a decade, the coverage of this service and this therapy has rolled out state by state across the country. So in the vast majority of cases, the family's health insurance covers this service. Um, There are a few exceptions to that, but for the most part, both commercial insurance and state Medicaid's cover ABA therapy. it's as simple as you know, calling your insurance company and asking if the service is covered. And just like us at Ascend Autism, most providers will do that check for you. Yeah. I also want to add, with just it being services provided at the center, that that does not mean we don't include the parents. Uh, a big part of what we do is parent training, uh, parent coaching, parent meetings where we have them involved and we give them the tools as far as we've made progress with toilet training, we've made progress with communication, and these are the steps that we've taken, and this is how you can generalize that skill in the home environment. Yeah, and practice, right? Of course. I I think a lot of people, um, as you mentioned, Sharon, a little earlier so eloquently like this is a a long process it's Mm -hmm. not fixed overnight um and and parents um need to have that practice as well absolutely yeah and i I appreciate you guys both for talking about such the wonderful resources that you guys have um at your organization is there anything else that i did not ask or that you guys wanted to make sure our listeners are aware of i think it's really important for the families to understand that we're there to help You know, it's I've done plenty of assessments where families come in and like I ask questions and 
there's this feeling of, I'm not doing enough. I'm not, you know, but this is our field of expert, right? We're here to help. So, you know, they come in and they're like, oh, I've been trying to work on this. And that's why we're here to assist with that. You know, so there's there's never a um, a question that we can't answer. And it's really important that people feel that they're not coming in to be judged because everyone has questions. And that's that's what we're here for, to help get those answers. Yeah. And I think to, to add on to that, there certainly can be even with the prevalence and greater information around autism out there, there can still be a stigma that goes along with it. Mm -hmm. Um, We do our best to reinforce to the families that come and meet with us, like what you're doing here, what you're attempting to do to access services for your child is in your family's and your child's best interest. So there certainly should be no stigma that goes along with it, along with any other behavioral health Disorder. The last thing that I'd probably add is, as I said, the good news is there's a lot of providers out there and there's a lot of resources. Um, Fortunately, it does take some time for the family to do some research. Like I said, talk to a trusted advisor like your pediatrician or a doctor for their input, uh, but do your own research. So if you're trying to pick a program for your child, go tour the location, meet with their therapist. We talked about how our approach at Ascend Autism is very naturalistic and play-based, but there are different forms and formats of delivering ABA therapy. So ask them how they approach delivering ABA therapy. That's a very good advice, Nathan. Thank you so much for that. And thank you, Sharon, for being here as well. I think this is going to allow um, a lot of people, hopefully, to let some weight off some shoulders if they th- have this on their mind a lot or if they're just getting into the, um, realizing what ASD is and or working with a child that's on, on the spectrum in some way. Uh, to our listeners, if you guys uh, would like more information about Ascend Autism, uh, there will be links to their web webpage on this bio. So just check out uh, some of the links under this bio for this episode and I appreciate you both for being guests and to our listeners thank you again for listening this has been another episode of Roots and Wings